Last week we started this series entitled Improving Your Quality of Life Without Spending a Dime. The reason I'm doing this series, I just want to cover just a couple of the bases that we talked about last week, is because I believe that every one of us in this room would like to improve the quality of our lives. And that, that is the American dream, is to somehow improve the quality of our life, to somehow go farther than our parents did, provide something better for our children than they, we had, or at least in our minds we think we had. But the other reason that I'm covering that, not only because of our desire to improve our quality of life, but because I am firmly convinced that we're going about it the wrong way. I am convinced, I shared this with you last week, if you were not here, get the tape, because I think if you got the tape, you would be on the same page with me today. You would understand why I'm going to make this, this next statement. I am convinced that the lie of materialism is every bit as great as the lie of communism. Both have held a people captive, nations captive, for many, many decades now, although communism, as we've all seen, has crumbled in almost every place around the world but Cuba. And that's on its way. It didn't work. It was a lie. These people were told a lie, and they lived on that lie for many, 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 many years friends of mine that are in the Ukraine right now and that are in the former Soviet Union write back to me story after story of the hollowness of the emptiness of the disillusionment of a whole nation. They were told there was no God. They were told that capitalism was a lie, that the West was a lie. They were told all kinds of things about you and I. They were told all kinds of things about government and power and they found it all to be a lie. And the people there are starving for answers, according to my friends and many other sources. But you know the same thing is true in this country. If you look at this country, if you look at it closely, it's falling down all around us. Little by little, but in a different way, in a more luxurious way. We have been seduced by money. I shared with you last week that riches are like a drug. You become addicted to them. But then you need more of it to get you to the same high as when you first started. That's why money never makes you happy. It only makes you think you're happy. And it's left us hollow. And it's left us disillusioned. Now, to drive this home just a little more, and to get into what I'm going to talk to you today, because I'm going to share with you this morning the first essential ingredient to having rich quality of life. I'm going to give you some points to ponder, all right? I want you just to ponder these things seriously. I want you to really think about them as you're sitting here this morning. Does money take away the pain of a bad marriage? Does money heal the wound of a marriage that goes haywire? Do luxuries and possessions take away the hurt of having a fool and a rebel for a child? Do possessions, does a wonderful fine house, our beautiful Lexus and Mercedes in the garage, take away from the fact that we've got a kid on drugs who totally disrespects his parents and is hanging around with other fools? Does prestige and achievement 
fill the void and take away the grief because we lack good judgment and discernment in our decision making and we keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Think about that. Does all the achievement in the world and all the prestige and the fame take away from the fact that you basically have bad judgment, that you make bad decisions? What do you think Hugh Grant feels like? Some of you may not keep up on the news like I do. I try to keep up on it every single day. Hugh Grant was in the, the movie, I think, Four Weddings and a Funeral or Four Funerals and a Wedding. Has this gorgeous live-in girlfriend and he gets caught in the back seat by the L.A. police with some prostitute. Poor judgment? Or do you feel bad just because he got caught? The guy's a fool. He has everything going for him, but he's a fool. You think all the prestige and the achievement in the world make up for the fact that we lack good judgment in the friends that we pick, in the people that we date? I can't tell you how many people I talk to. Uh, these first ones were related to, obviously, marriage. But how many singles I talk to who get into one bad relationship after another, after another, after another, after another. They just don't have any good judgment. They have no common sense about them. And single or married or otherwise, I know many people who just simply make poor decisions. They keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. Let me ask you this. Ponder this. What would you give to know how to have a great marriage? What would you give if you could ensure that you'd have a great marriage? That your marriage would last? That it would work? That it would not only last... I was talking recently to a young man, young, young woman, just not been married very long. And we were talking about their relationship with one another. They've been married a couple years. And he said, well, to be honest, I kind of had resigned myself to the fact that this is about as good as it's ever going to get. And he was really serious. I looked at him and I said, my goodness, marriage only gets better with time if you know what you're doing. We're talking about the next 60 years of your life. If this is the only, this is all the better it's going to get. I feel really sad for you. And then I shared with him how he can ensure that his marriage will get better and better in every way in their emotional relationship, in their romance, in their physical relationship, in their friendship. It's better and better and better. That is, if you know what you're doing. But if you don't, it becomes the loneliest, most pathetic place in the world to be, is to exist in a rotten marriage. What would you give to have a happy, loving family? You ever thought about that? Your parents get... What would you give? To have kids that really love each other, that love you, that are anxious to see you when you get home, that talk to you even when they're teenagers, that bring you into their life, that still hug you when they're 17 years old. We become so accustomed to substandard family life that we're just shocked there could be anything else. I have people so regularly tell me, well, you know, Mark, I mean, this kind of stuff's normal. It's not normal. It's tragic that we've concluded that it's normal, that our kids rebel, that our kids are disrespectful, that you can't even be close to them anymore, that you're not even friends with them anymore. 
That's not normal. It's tragic that that's happened. It's tragic that that's happened. The Bible says in Proverbs, better is a bowl of porridge where love is than a fatted calf and a steak. And that's the truth. Man, I can tell you right now from experience, almost to my 17th year of marriage, four children, one almost 16, two sophomores in high school, that I would rather have a little rented hut with water that you had to pump and no carpeting in the house and have to chop my own wood every day with a happy, vibrant family life where people love each other and get along then I'd rather live in any place in the city you can possibly imagine. Maybe it's because I deal on almost a daily basis with people whose lives are so broken up because they lack what I'm talking about today. And anyone can have it. And I see the other side almost every day of my life. What would you give to have sensible, obedient children? There's a proverb I shared with my children as we were driving over this morning. I was reading the other day through the book of Proverbs. Listen to this. My son, how happy I will be if you turn out to be sensible. It will be a public honor to me. I thought about that. (laughs) Kids, you made me so rich. I'm the richest guy I know. You're sensible. You got a good head on your shoulders. I am so happy. <clears throat> I see young people today and I deal with many of them. I see them and it just breaks my heart. I see young men and women hanging out on the street. I was at a movie recently and in front of me was two young teenagers. Came walking in, guy and a girl. The guy had an earring through the side of his lip, three in his nose. Four in his ears. His whole head was tattooed. His blonde hair here, blonde hair here. It was buzzed. And down through the middle were little ponytails painted black all the way down his hair. And I thought to myself, I wonder how much his parents' heart are simply breaking. You know, we have come to a point, men and women, where we've become so tolerant of everything that we've forgotten what good sense is. I'm not saying I despise this young man. I didn't despise him, nor did I despise this daughter. I thought to myself, what would I do if my daughter came home with a young man like that? Would I reflect that I had not taught her any better judgment? And you say, oh, Mark, we shouldn't judge a person by how they dress. I'm not talking about how they dress. You and I both know that often a person's life attitudes are reflected in the way they carry themselves, that their heart is shown by the company they keep. I live just a couple blocks from the Mall of America. Go up there sometime on a Saturday night and it'll blow your mind. Go up on the fourth floor. Up by Gatlin's, up by the sports bars. And see the kids that are hanging out there. ask myself, what is going on? What is happening? If the parents only knew what was going on with these kids... Many parents don't want to know, or many of the parents are so worn down, they just don't care anymore. Now, I'm telling you right now, people, that's the saddest way in the world to live. What would you give to have real stability and joy in your life and know how to make good decisions? 
What would you get for joy and stability? We've got a world today that is clamoring for stability and joy. And we try drugs, and we try alcohol, and we try sex, and we try career achievement. We try pleasure. We try more money. We try the psychologist. We look for anybody or anything that we can latch on to to enhance the quality of our life. To somehow make us happy. Now I'm going to share with you this morning how you can be extraordinarily happy. Quality of life is not where you live, but how you live. Quality of life comes not from where you live, what prestigious neighborhood, what block, what kind of house you live in, but how you live your life. The secret to possessing all of the above things that I ask you to ponder is wisdom. Wisdom is the most precious possession in the world to possess. And any single one of us may possess it. Wisdom is what gives quality to your life. I have some things here I want to read to you this morning. Out of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3. I want to read to you this morning out of the living Proverbs. And out of the message Proverbs. Because many of you are not familiar with the Bible these two really make the scriptures come alive. In Proverbs chapter 3, and starting with verse 13, The man who knows right from wrong and has good judgment and common sense is happier than the man who is immensely rich. For such wisdom is far more valuable than precious jewels. Nothing else compares with it. Wisdom gives a long, good life. Riches, honor, pleasure, and peace. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who eat her fruit. And happy is the man who keeps on eating it. Now out of the message Proverbs, let me read to you what it says here in Proverbs chapter 8. Prefer my life discipline over chasing after money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you could wish for holds a candle to her. My benefits are worth far more than a big salary, even a very big salary. And returns on me exceed any imaginable bonus. I'm going to tell you right now, and I mean this with all my heart, with all absolute sincerity, I would rather have a nugget from God than Deion Sanders' $35 million deal with the Dallas Cowboys. There is not a person I know in the world that I envy. I do not envy what he has, for you cannot keep in any way. Wisdom increases with years. Wisdom gives a man or a woman that which is really life. It shows you how to live. It shows you how to be happy. And it improves every aspect of your life. And this is the Bible. This is God talking from His Word. Wisdom is more valuable than money. Think about that. And it's free. Well, there is a cost involved, and I'll get to that in a moment. But... For all practical intents and purposes, it's free. God will give it to whoever asks for it. Whoever seeks after it. Let me tell you something. You need wisdom from God more than you need a subscription to parenting today. 
You need wisdom from God if you're going to raise a family successfully today. You need wisdom from God, not an infomercial, if you're going to have a good marriage. God can show it to you right here. This knowledge is available to any and every person who is interested. Let me read another passage to you out of Proverbs um, chapter 4 and verse 7. Determination to be wise is the first step towards becoming wise. And with your wisdom, develop common sense and good judgment. If you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. Hold her fast, and she will lead you to great honor. She will place a beautiful crown upon your head. My son, listen to me, and do as I say, and you will have a long, good life. Do you know the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs are written... And one of the practical intents of their writing, Solomon was writing to his young son, was to keep him from prostitutes, immorality, and adultery. Do you know the number one devastating thing going on in this country? It is not drugs. It's not violence. It's the lack of morality. It's the total lack of self-control over our passions. And it is, it is breaking up families. I have a close friend. Very close personal friend came to me recently. He's telling me a story of his uncle. His uncle owns, is just building a 8,000 square foot home on the Riviera. He's a multi-millionaire time and time again over. And this friend of mine told me, he said, Mark, he just recently found out that my uncle has been addicted to prostitution for the last 20 years of his life. That's how he dealt with life. No one knew it. He got picked up by propositioning a police officer in Wisconsin. What is all your money worth when you can't even control your own passions? And some of us may say, well, I've never done that. What about your thoughts that run and dominate your life? They might be negative. They might be lustful. They might be greed. They might be envy. And they just rot you out on the inside. What is it worth? All the money in the world, all the homes on the Riviera, all the women in the world will not take away the simple pain of the emptiness of one's life. Won't do it. But you know you don't have to live that way. And that's the beauty of what I'm sharing with you today. You do not have to live that way, nor even come close to that. Rather, you can have the most wonderful life you've ever dreamed possible. If you were willing, if you were willing to embrace God's wisdom. And that's the key. The willingness to embrace God's wisdom. Let me just share you this verse in Proverbs uh, chapter 2, verse 16. Listen to this. Only wisdom from the Lord can save a man from the flattery of prostitutes. Their houses lie along the road to death and hell. The men who were entered them are doomed. None of these men will ever be the same again. Follow the steps of the godly instead and stay right on the right path. For only godly men enjoy life to the full. Evil men lose the good things they might have had and they themselves will be destroyed. What do you think it was like for Charlie Sheen? See, I, I really keep up on the news. For Charlie Sheen to be a, at trial recently for Heidi Fleiss, he was granted immunity to testify against her. Charlie Sheen is Martin Sheen's son as he testified with beads of sweat rolling down his face that last year he spent $57,000 on prostitutes. 
Boy, that tells you a lot, doesn't it? Only wisdom from God can save you from the moral rot that's going on around us. And it doesn't have to be prostitution or immorality. It could be everything else. It could just be the seduction of materialism that is wrapped around you. You don't even realize it is. And you're caught on the treadmill that every other American is caught on. Just get a little bit more. If I just could save a little bit more for retirement. If I just had a little more. If I just had a little more. And in the meantime, your time, your life is just slowly wasting away as you try to go get just a little more and your relationships are strained and your life feels empty and your kids go and do their own thing. God wants to fill your life with living energy and vitality, the book of Proverbs says. I have burnt on my heart and on my mind that the most valuable possession of my life is wisdom. Wisdom. The Bible tells you that in Proverbs. It tells you to love her like a sweetheart. Listen to the words of Proverbs chapter 8, which I'll read to you out of here. Does, do you hear Lady Wisdom calling? Can you hear Madam Insight raising her voice? She's taken her stand at first in Maine at the busiest intersections right in the city square where the traffic is the thickest. She shouts, you, I'm talking to all of you, everyone here on the streets. Listen, you idiots. Learn. I love the, the, this message Bible because, you know, I've been an idiot. And I like, I like God to speak directly to me. I don't, like, I don't like beating around the bush, if you haven't realized that already. Why should we sit here beating around the bush? I've tried to save people's lives. God's trying to save our lives. And wisdom says, you idiot. Learn good sense, you blockheads. Shape up. Don't miss a word of this. I'm telling you how to live well. I'm telling you how to live at your best. My mouth chews and savors and relishes truth. I can't stand the taste of evil. You'll only hear true and right words from my mouth. Not one syllable will be twisted or skewed. You'll recognize this is true. You with open minds. Truth ready minds will see it at once. You know the book of Proverbs a little later on. Has this verse says. Who has bloodshot eyes? Who is constantly weary? But those who linger long over wine. When you wake them up. They stagger. They say, who hit me? Give me another drink. That's what the living proverb says. This was written thousands of years ago. It would, wisdom from God would save an alcoholic. Wisdom from God, in this book, in this little book that I have in my hand, only 31 chapters would change your life, let alone the whole Bible. This little book, since the earliest time my children could read, the earliest time, one of the first goals we had in our home education was teaching them to read. And I had one sole reason, was to start exposing them to the greatest wisdom in the world as soon as they could read. And I bought each of them an introductory type copy, an easily understood copy of the Bible. And they had an assignment every day to read one proverb that corresponded to the day. There's 31 days in the month, 31 proverbs in the month. And i tell you something, it paid off. It's reaping dividends. I wish I could get every adult that I know to read one at least one proverb a day. Often I'll sit down at one sitting and read the whole book. Just read through the whole book. It just gives you a whole new perspective of life. God wants to make you wise. Now ponder this for just a moment. Because this also flies in the face of our modern thinking. Success comes more from wisdom than from experience. 
Now, wait a minute. I thought experience was a good teacher. All right. So ponder this. Going on your fourth marriage won't make your fifth one better. Gee, that sounds logical. I never thought of it like that. It has been so ingrained in us that experience is the best teacher. Oh, no, it's not. God's wisdom is the best teacher because often by the time you got the experience that hopefully would have taught you a lesson, your life is ruined in the process. And many of our kids never go back. We thought, oh, we prayed, oh, we hoped, oh, God, I hope they go back. I hope they turn back. They didn't. We lost them. Experience in marriage is not the best teacher. The best teacher is reading what the Bible says and doing it no matter what it costs you. And that will enrich your life. Wisdom, I also want to make very clear, is different than academia. I'm not talking here about, you know, really educated people. I've never been beyond the 12th grade, high school. I never had any college education of any kind. I never had any class on how to speak. I never had class on how to be a dad. But I'll tell you one thing I did. I'll tell you one thing I did. Proverbs chapter 2. Listen to this. Every young person who listens to me and obeys my instruction will be given wisdom and good sense. Yes, if you want better insight and discernment and you are searching for them as you would search for lost money or hidden treasure, then wisdom will be given to you and knowledge of God Himself. You will soon learn the importance of reverence for God and of trusting Him for the Lord grants wisdom. His every word is a treasure of knowledge and understanding. He grants good sense to His people. He is their shield, protecting them and guarding their pathway. He shows how to distinguish right from wrong, how to find the right decision every time. For wisdom and truth will enter the very center of your being, filling your life with joy. You will be given the sense to stay away from evil men who want you to be their partners in crime, men who turn their, from God's ways to walk down dark and evil path and exalt in doing wrong, for they thoroughly enjoy their sin. Everything they do is crooked and wrong. Now, I'll tell you something. 20 years ago, that was the description of my life. 20 years ago, I hung around with bad people. I lived, I enjoyed doing things that were wrong. I enjoyed rebellion. I enjoyed making my parents' life miserable. I enjoyed immorality. I almost ruined my life. And I thank God that God hit me upside of the head. And the last 20 years has been the first portion of this. My main pursuit the last 20 years of my life has been to surround myself with godly, righteous people who I could mentor, who I could learn from, who would be my closest associates. And to cry out to God every day, give me your wisdom. In Proverbs chapter 8, if I flip here, let me read you what the last portion of this says. Blessed is the man or woman who listens to me awake and ready for me each morning, alert and responsive to me every day. When you find me, you find life, real life, to say nothing of God's good pleasure. But if you wrong me, you damage your own soul. When you reject me, you flirt with death. Well, the Living Proverbs puts it just a little bit different. It says this. Happy is the man who is so anxious to be with me that he watches for me daily at his gates. 
He waits for me outside his home. For whoever finds me finds life and wins approval from God, but the one who misses me has injured himself irreparably. Those who refuse to show, those who refuse me, wisdom is saying, show that they love death. Now I know each and every one of you don't love death. You really don't. But you may not have known, how do I really improve the quality of my life? First thing, you must become convinced of. And that's why I always start out this way, last week and this week, is to change your paradigms. Our paradigms, we have been brainwashed. We have been propagandized in the world that we live in that materialism will make us happy. And it won't. That achievement will make us happy. And it won't. The acquisition of God's wisdom will. The still small voice of God has been saying this for thousands of years and not many have listened but those that have have reaped the reward of it. And God wants it for every single one of you. We must lay hold of wisdom. Wisdom gives us a confident, positive perspective of life. Wisdom's fruit will satisfy the deepest longing of your heart. I'm going to share with you this morning how to get wisdom. You know, when these folks were up here this morning, parent, you know, starting out their young lives with parenting, I want to say this to you parents this morning. Experience won't teach you how to be a good parent. If you have that knowledge by the time you're a grandparent, it's too late. You cannot go back and redo the most important formative years of their life. You know what those are? One to four. You better get your act together real fast. You better find out what God has to say right now. Because once it's over, it's over. You maybe have had your parents or older folks tell you, and believe me, heed their words when they say enjoy them now, because it will be over really soon. They really mean what they're saying. Four years, my daughter will be 20. I remember my babies, every one of them, as small as they were today. Just like yesterday, except it's not yesterday. There's a lot of space in between then and now. And what I did with that space is the most critical time of their lives. What you do with that space is the most critical thing you do with your life. You need wisdom. Wisdom is better than experience. And God gives you... See, God wrote the manual to life. Right here, he calls it the Bible. It is the manual to life. Let me tell you, if I was going to go out and buy a new Windows program, if I was going to go out and buy a new PC, you better believe I'd want to know how to use it. I'd, and I don't want the manual. I want an understandable manual. I'd also want someone I could talk to about it. And they got these 1-800 numbers. We have prayer. We have other individuals who, have, who understand it, who are living it, who we can see their living example. I'd be scared to death. I would no more face life without God and His Word than I would go out in a Minnesota winter when it's 60 below with the windshield. Hey, I'm going to go out someday today. Have you ever noticed in the winter around here, the sun's usually shining pretty bright? It's just that it's freezing out. Now, I'm going to go out and sunbathe for a while. It's 60 below. They go out there and they're they're speedo. You'd be thinking they're a little demented, wouldn't you? You know, it breaks God's heart when he sees 
the creation that he made, the human beings that he made, you're his, he, he loves you more than anything else in the universe. It breaks his heart when he sees him go out every day in the blizzards of life with no clothes on. And the toes and the fingers are getting frostbitten. And their lives are falling apart. You have no idea how it rips him up inside. And you say, why doesn't he do something? He has done something. He's trying to do something. And if he came back right now and stood and shouted in your ear, he could do no more than if you simply, right now, today, would humbly embrace what I'm saying. Because he's speaking to you right now. I'm going to give you just a couple things you need to do to get real wisdom. Number one, the Bible tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Twenty years ago in my life, this was the most critical decision of my life. Mark Darling graduated from high school 20 years ago this last May, 1975. And I had my agenda for life and I had my way about going life. And God wasn't involved in that agenda. In fact, I was very spiteful at God. I hated God. It really bothered me. I knew that I was responsible to him, and I didn't like the fact that I was. So every time I could, I'd yell at him. I was a very angry young man. And I had my own agenda for life. I didn't think God knew what he was doing. I fully and completely embraced the hippie mentality towards life. I fully and completely embraced the 60s Led Zeppelin mentality to living. And I made it my own. And in all frankness, it brought me nothing but pain and heartache. And if I would have continued on that path today, one, I wouldn't be married and have the family I have today. Two, I'd never be able to sustain a marriage. Three, I might even be dead by now. Four, I might just be following the grateful dead around. And that would be my life. Who knows? But I know it would be empty. I made a very conscious decision 20 years ago after some circumstances happened in my life and showed me the brevity of my life that it could all be gone in just a moment and I had no control of that. I decided, you know, I don't want to waste the rest of my life. And I bowed my heart, my attitudes, said, God, I owe you everything. You gave me my life. You gave me your son. I'll live the rest of my life your way. I'm an open book. Write on me whatever you want to write, but I'm going to devour you. I believe that you know more than anyone else how to live life. And you are my first priority the rest of my life. You must respect God more than you respect your own opinions. The Bible says a fool is wiser in his own eyes than ten men. The Bible says there's more, more hope, hope excuse me, for a fool than there is for a man who's conceited. I was a man that was conceited. As a young man, 18, 19, I thought I knew more than my dad, knew more than my mom, more than anybody. I didn't know anything. And I had to relearn everything. And I'm still learning today. That's the first. The second... You must look for it. you got to look for it. Jesus said, I don't cast my pearl before swine. He doesn't mean you're pigs. What he means is pigs don't care about pearls. If you went out to a farm and threw all your pearls down, what are they going to do but trample them underfoot? And what have we done? What what has the human race done with the most awesome jewels in the world? Well, we've just trampled them underfoot. They're old-fashioned. We don't care about them. They're garbage. That's our opinion of them. And all the time, we've had this treasure right within our reach. So you've got to look for it, but you've got to look in the right place. The Bible, church, God. Those three places. You start with the Bible, you keep your involvement in a church where you can learn about it, where you can see it mentored to you, and you seek God. 
Every day of my life, one of my main pursuits of life, my main pursuit of life, is to desperately go after God. Not a day goes by that I don't spend time saying, God, help me be a better dad. God, I've got four kids. Help me. Give me a grace. Give me insight. Give me wisdom. And then I pour over his word. And I ask him more. And I ask him more. And then I... And this is the third and most important. You must apply it to your life. You must do it. It does you no good to know it if you do not do it. Let me read to you a little story that Jesus told. Every one of you who listens to these sayings of mine and puts them into practice will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains came, the floods rose, the winds blew and beat upon the house, but it never collapsed for it was based on the rock. That's what it's going to be like with your family. That's what it's going to be like with your marriage. If you think your marriage isn't going to go through anything hard, you've got another thing coming. If you think there aren't going to be all kinds of temptations and snares out there trying to ruin and devastate your relationships, you're wrong. If you think there aren't things out there that are desperately seeking to sabotage your parenting and ruin your kid's life, you're wrong. There are. And they're the winds and they're the rains and they're going to beat against your house. And the only thing that's going to keep your house standing strong and tall when Hurricane Lucifer blows on you is you built your life on the rock and you're strong and you're stable. But here's the promise of those who listen and they hear my sayings, but they fail to do them and practice them. They will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came, the floods rose, the winds blew and beat upon the house and it collapsed and its destruction was complete. And when Jesus finished this, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one in authority and not like the scribes and teachers. You see, there was meaning to what Jesus said. I'm sharing all these things with you today because I care about you. We designed this church to care about the community of mankind. God wants to change your life. God's word can revolutionize your life. Real quality starts with possessing wisdom. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about relationships. All right? As I touched on today, there's nothing in the world going to make up for failure in our families. And we're going to talk next week. We've got an exciting drama about our family life. About really getting a perspective on life. I appreciate your attentiveness today. It's great to see you this morning. Let's bow our heads and close in prayer. Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word rings true. In each and every one of our souls and our hearts, Lord, we know that what you're saying is right. Every day when I read the paper, every day that I watch the news, every day that I watch those passing by me, it just drives home even more to me, Lord, how true your word is and how desperately we need it today. In a world that has been built on the shifting sands of changing opinions, changing values, changing morality, everything around us, Lord, is constantly changing. You've stayed the same. Your word is as good today as it was a thousand years ago. It works today. I have tasted it. I have seen it. I have experienced it along with millions of other people. 
And we stand as a witness and a testimony to its truth. I just ask you, God, to change each life here today. I pray they'd walk away today and do something about getting wisdom in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.